Welcome to The Chase. is a white arc podcast aimed at specifically giving you an insight into what makes great leaders and entrepreneurs in a variety of organizations tick. We call them chiefs. My name is James Chiffatelli and together with my white arc co-chief, Joe Hands, we're going to attempt to take you on a journey and talk to as many chiefs across as many industries as we can to give you an insight into A, what makes them tick and B, what makes their enterprises thrive and more importantly, what they've learned along the way. The Chiefs. Welcome to another edition of The Chiefs. And today I'm thrilled to have John Newen from Ninja on the show. John, welcome to The Chiefs. Thanks for having me, James. It's great to have you on. John's, uh, I'm kind of envious of John at the moment. He's sitting in WA, I'm sitting in Melbourne, but great to have John on the show. We've had a couple of John's peers from Ninja, but John's a Chief Technology Officer at Ninja Software out of Perth. One of my favourite organisations, great organisation, great people. And he heads up, obviously, all of the technology. So today we're really excited to learn a little bit more about John's story, John's leadership and what have you. And I really, really think uh, it's going to be a very, very rich conversation. So John's obviously got all the technical programming and problem-solving skills, but he's also someone that is often described as a great leader, a great communicator. We're sometimes in that domain with CTOs. It doesn't always go hand in hand. He's got a rich experience. He's also the host of the Tech Society, another fantastic podcast series, has got experience in a number of great organisations. He's a graduate of the University of Western Australia, where he did a Bachelor of Engineering, and we are thrilled to have him on our Chiefs podcast. So, John, I always kick off with a very similar question, and it goes like this. John, what's your story? I'll give you the short version and hopefully the straight one as well, because it's a pretty confusing road in my life. So my name's John. I'm the CTO and co-founder of Ninja Software. In terms of what that means, we'll probably roll back to when I first graduated from university. So I'm actually an engineer. So my background is in, in mining engineering. I graduated with a bachelor's in mechatronics engineering, which is... Megatronics. Uh, that's right. Robotics, control systems, and industrial networks. So I worked in that space for about nine years, basically doing detailed engineering and shifting towards working on site as a FIFO engineer as well. So that was about nine years. It was a struggle, especially when you're deployed. My biggest job was in Ghana, in West Africa. I was there for one year where I was on for three months and off for two weeks. A lot of that kind of tough roster really burnt me out. And um, I basically moved from that to, to software when I came back to Perth. With the control systems background I had, I already had that systematic engineering approach. And picking up software engineering wasn't too hard, to be honest. I was already doing some lots of programming you know, as an engineer. And over time, I, um, I self-taught myself programming and then eventually made it to Ninja Software. I founded Ninja Software with Alex, who has been on, on this show as well. And you know, that's a long story short on the side and in parallel universe. I'm also deep in the cryptocurrency space. I started that kind of journey also when I was in Africa. A lot of inflection points in Ghana, as you can tell. So I've been in that space for about nine years as well. So I also give talks and I uh, consult on, on that front as well. Amazing story from Ghana to, to Perth and back three, I mean, three months on to two weeks off, you would have had to have a real level of discipline and commitment there right through to crypto. Some of the, you know, we talk about robotics now, but it sounds like something that you've been really talking about for a long, long time, especially in mining 
and what have you. Tell me about what you love. What's clear to me about the Ninja team, the executive team of which you're a part of, everyone's so passionate about each other and what they do. What is it that you love most about your role at Ninja? Well, well, there's a lot to love, but ultimately it's having the ability to, to work at a place I want to be at. And also, I guess as CTO, my technological vision can be realized a lot more directly as well. So it's not just playing with cool tech, it's also being able to make it happen and also having a team to support the things I, I want to happen as well. And throughout the life of Ninja Software, it's been about five years now, I've been able to move from you know pretty much everything. So not just programming, but also doing sales, you know, accounts, and also leadership and HR and all that kind of stuff as well. So it's like a job of everything all in one. And that's actually... Probably the most interesting thing about it is that I need to fill the roles of everything. And over time, perhaps, you know, I'll step back a bit and do less and less of the things I'm, I'm not very good at, hopefully. And that's the idea anyway. One of the things I love about your philosophy and Alex and Lan's philosophy and Ninja is that, you know, you guys don't just talk about, you don't use the language of being centered around the customer. You really are all hovering around the customer all the time. And, you know, typically a CTO is looking after the the, the technology of their their own entity and not potentially not so focused on that second degree, which is the customers that they serve. You guys are almost got the reverse philosophy where you immerse yourself in the customers early and then you become secondary as the internal. How does that play? <laughs> that's, a kind of, that's an interesting point, isn't it? I don't know. It's a, it's a strange one. Ultimately, we, we made Ninja Software because we want to build cool stuff. Yeah. And also helping people who, who struggle with the execution, perhaps, you know, our clients who don't have a large dev team, we help them execute. So our purpose is to fill that gap in, in other organizations as well. Uh, often it's uh, startups or, uh, you know, small, small enterprise that, that is not software tech focused. So we tend to try to complement other organizations. And within ourselves, we also run the same kind of system where we have, you know, internal incubated projects. And our own devs come up with their own ideas as well. So it kind of creates this flywheel. It's got momentum of creativity, not just internally, but also externally as well. I love it. I asked uh, Alex this question and he, uh, he deferred because he didn't want to pick anyone. Is there a particular project or achievement that you worked on at Ninja with a particular client that you love the most? Well, I got to defer that too. <laughs> but I will, I will point towards uh, an internal project that I, I made myself as something that I'm pretty proud of. That way, no one feels left out. Right? It's all about me. <laughs> I love it. So this is going back to 2020. You may remember there was a um a pandemic kicking off. <laughs> this is um we went to, into lockdown. Actually, uh, I feel like Alex might have mentioned this, but perhaps not. I wanted to be able to keep an eye on the mental health of our organization. Our devs went to went home, work from home. We started quite early in February through to July. And February to July, man, everyone loved it, right? So everyone's like, oh, we get to work from home. Don't have to go to the office. Don't have to wear pants anymore. You know, it's pretty cool. But what happens over time when you, you don't have that support network of just being near your workmates, right? So I created this, um, this automatic bot, a chat bot. And the chat bot just, it just every single day, it will go to every single staff member in Ninja Software and just go, hey, how's it going? Kind of like, are you okay day, right? But, but every day. And it's completely anonymous, but they basically you know, press the happy face, press the sad face. And then after that, it says, do you want to speak to the leadership? Like, do you have a message to the leadership that is 100% anonymous? And the idea of this is to collect the true thoughts of the ninjas. 
So what happens is someone's not feeling great, they can tell us and we won't even know who it is. It's, uh, it's a way for them to speak to, to management. And it actually was very interesting in that experiment we ran. Well, it wasn't an experiment, it actually is still going today. In the beginning, everyone's like, oh, yeah, this is great. You know, work from home, working from home. I'm, I'm enjoying my free time, no commute. And then as the, week, as the months went by, I'm sure people in Melbourne will understand this. As the months went by, they started you know, uh, saying, oh, I wish I went back to the office or I'm burning out. I need a break. I can't wait for everyone to get back together. And that's, that's something that I'm very proud of because I built this, this, I spun this up pretty quickly in just a weekend because I saw a problem. And from it, we managed to gain insight into the mental well-being and also the, the thoughts and feelings of our staff without them feeling too vulnerable by having to tell us to our face. They can just send us anonymous messages. And um, yeah, so that's, that's what I'm most proud of internally anyway. You, you know what? I love that story and I, I love it, A, because it's real and I love it because it showed a, a certain amount of self-awareness, a massive amount of self-awareness, John, from you in that, you know, we've, the world's gone into a pandemic, you know, you're worried about your people, everyone is working from home. So you've used your skills or your your engineering background to come up with a solution that's really human-centred, right? It's a, you know, how, how are you going each day? Have you, has it continued to roll on now that you've moved back to the office? Yeah, so um, it, still, it still ticks along uh, every single day, you know, 4.45 p.m., just ask people how they're going. And now we get, you know, interesting things. People want some chocolate in the office so they can have a little snack. Or, uh, you know, some people need to take some time off. Some people just are unhappy with the project they're currently on. I think at the same time, it, it speaks to the younger generation as well. So I hear a common phrase, my door is open. Come, you know, you, you're free to come and tell me whatever you want. My door is open. But that's, that's a very one-sided thing to say. The reality is people don't want to walk through an open door to their boss and tell them to their face that it sucks that they have to come into work at 9 a.m. or something. But now... You know, I've created a, a channel, a channel that wasn't there before, and I really, I really want to you know build this out and to see to see how how other companies can use it in the future as well. Yeah, and I love that analogy of my door is open because really, in the truest sense, as leaders, we're servants to our people. But that whole concept of my door is open, it's all about me. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's so, just the fear as well. Like, yeah, this, 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 through your door and give you some feedback that you might not like. But if you could tell me anonymously, you, you know, probably could, you know, then it's. Uh, and that's that's what I try to build anyway. Oh, I love it. I actually think off the back of this podcast, you may have a whole host of organisations that reach out. To, has it got a name, this chatbot? At the moment, Bot? it's just called the Fields Bot and it asks how your fields are. It was Fields Bot. The name came out in like five seconds of thinking from over a year ago. So perhaps it'll it'll change. And um, and another thing is to is that I really hope that leadership who do pick up this tool they understand what it means to be vulnerable and to, to not take offense at the true thoughts of their employees. It might surprise, it might offend, but at least take it as constructive criticism. I love it. Feedback. You know what? Feedback is so, so important. And you, you take it constructively, you're only going to make, that's what it explains a lot around why Ninja is so powerful at a human level. Congratulations. I think that's an amazing story. You mentioned earlier, John, that, you know, obviously you've led a variety of teams across a variety of domains and in lots of different contexts. There are so many attributes that go into leadership, right? So when you, you lead people, is there a common theme for John when you start? Like if someone was listening to this who's new to leadership, you know, and, and they want to become a great leader, what are the things that you rate and you think are most important? Oh, man. Oh, well, to become a great leader, it's one of those things, isn't it, that you kind of just do it until you just find out that you're doing it quite well. 
Uh, in terms of a yardstick for how great a leader I am, I can't give you that. But I think what makes a great leader is having restricted resources. So I think like an engineer now, but this is what yeah. I want to say. Restricting anything that a, a business needs. So staff, restricted staff, you can't find any employees or perhaps restricted time. So time crunch, restricted funds, you need to raise capital, but you can't. Adding restrictions actually creates a drive and also ingenuity because it's the drive to survive, right, as a business. And I think the people who actually want to get into leadership, but they have a huge safety net, large network, people to help them, it's good. But at the same time, there needs to be a restriction for you to overcome. And I think that that builds good leaders. I actually love that. I've never heard that concept before, but I really, really love it. I've heard yeah, you know, I always talk about sort of leaders needing to work through ambiguity, but I actually love this layer that you put on top, John, around adding restrictions because the truth is there's restrictions whichever way you go in life, but what you're actually doing is you're actually asking the leader to be empowered to to make choices off the well, back of it. Yeah, and also to struggle, right? It's not, if, without the struggle, what do you learn? And I think not to manufacture struggle, but but having struggle means that you you at least – build character, get stronger, or learn things as well. I love that. That's fantastic. If you were giving advice or you're giving advice to someone in your team who who wants to make that step into leadership, would there be a bit of advice that you'd give them up front? For someone who already wants to get into leadership, don't have anything particular in particular. But in general, because because my, my path is a bit different. I, I was I was technical, programmed, I, I engineered things, I built things. So my path towards leadership is purely through doing it. I think one of the contrarian advice I give to people is the there's a real push towards reading a lot of books. And I know, I know this is a, you probably ask me what my favorite book is later and I can't answer that, but that's fine. <laughs> um, but I felt guilty because I didn't read enough, right? This is a, something that you see people read. Oh yeah, have you read that book? You know, oh, I think Alex's favorite, Never Split the Difference or whatever. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I read the blurb. I haven't read the book. I'm sorry. Then I realized that it's not actually about reading books and as, as long as you collect knowledge in some fashion. So for me, uh, I study or learn well through podcasts and reading blogs and ultimately participating in discussions on Reddit. So these are all ways that I learn things. So if I wanted to you know, learn more about management leadership, I join communities and I read content, short form contents from leaders in the space. And I think that's a that's a, a strange piece of advice, but I'd like I'd like people to to at least think that there are alternatives to just you know collecting huge tomes behind them. I have I have a bookshelf <laughs> behind me with a list of books as well, but at the same time, yeah, there's 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 other ways of learning too. I uh, you know what for for those of our listeners, you you can't actually see what's in John's background. With some <laughs> great great books, so clearly he's a great reader. But it's also something that looks like something out of Back to the Future. It looks like a time. Oh, yeah, this- yeah, this thing. It's um it's a 3D printer. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um that's probably something we could get into later, but I try, I try to pick up a lot of productive hobbies, if you will. I love it. That's fantastic. I actually love your advice to young and up and coming leaders around collecting knowledge and being really and not being not being so focused on how they collect it, whether it be through a book or not, because everyone collects differently. But I love your analogy around you uh, forced yourself to participate in conversations. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because um, I'm an introvert, right? So I I like to really focus on creation of a thing in front of me, working with my hands, soldering irons, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think in leaders today, there's there's a huge push towards, or there's a huge bias towards uh, extroverts. 
you know, the guys who speak well, they, they make huge noises when they get into a group. Ah, how's it going, everybody? I'm not that kind of guy. But I think as long as someone who is at least curious about leadership understands that extrovertedness is not a requirement, you just need to be personable or you need to be genuine and be interested in the person you're speaking to. So that's, that's kind of my advice to, to future leaders is to, to don't worry too much if you're you don't want to you just want to veg out and watch netflix you know that kind of person can also become a great leader but they just approach it in a different way yeah i love that advice because you're basically telling people i I think you've got to be comfortable being who you are yeah and we're all different right right? and i actually think one of the greatest reflections on that advice you just gave is celebrate your own differences be aware of them but be open to participate to learn more right so i Great, great bit of advice. All right, a slight, a slight uh, twist in in questioning now, John. And I wouldn't ever pick you as an, as an introvert because yeah. you uh, definitely hold your own uh, in in the social setting. Credit to you. If you never had to work again, John, what would you do and why? <laughs> so, is this a retirement kind of question? Where there can be anything you want. I think Alex <laughs> told me buy a hundred acres and uh, and go and rear rear uh, cattle. <laughs> well, okay, that's totally not me. I will be a, a musician. So I I love playing music and I have spent years kind of playing, learning, trying to learn jazz piano, for instance. And because of the, the struggles of life and business, I haven't had a chance to really focus on, on this one art form. I've touched on it over almost 10 years now, but you know, I still haven't been able to focus on it. So for me is to be able to really master the instrument, to play for others, and to stop all the things I want to do all culminates to this one thing, which is to master things. Other than that, I think I'd love to help others in terms of tech businesses as well, so angel investing, either mentorship or advising. And finally, I'd love to travel again. That will be pretty nice. <laughs> one day. Uh, yeah. You know, um, yes, yeah, so I'm big on travel and I'm big on like kind of boots on the ground traveling where you kind of stay in a, in a hostel somewhere and you, you work your way around the city and that kind of cultural enrichment. I, I do miss it. It's been you know several years now, two years. And um, I look forward to doing that again as well. So travel the world, help others and finally play some good music. I, I love that. You know, you, uh, you go on and tapped in, you learned the jazz piano off your own accord and it really taps into your, lifelong desire to learn and you call it mastery but you know what i love the most john where you said you want to be able to do it yes because you want to be good at it but you want to be able to play for others so it's all about giving which actually says a lot about you and why you're so highly regarded your field as a great leader and then that whole travel piece i'm with you you know i reckon the best place to see the world is in hostels and what have you because you see the real you know you see the real fabric of uh of whatever city or place that you're in. So that's beautifully yeah. put. On, on the topic of mastery, actually, um, I, I actually find it quite interesting to to focus on hobbies that are productive as opposed to consumptive. So I like to, like, again, 3D printing, to build things with 3D printing, build electronics, you know, play music. I like to produce instead of consume. So that's kind of like my general philosophy towards um, collecting hobbies where, you know, instead of, reading books you perhaps write books Uh, instead of listening to music you'd make music and these are activities that have very high skill ceilings so you can spend you know you spend a decade on each one and ultimately it's it's uh (laughs) it works the brain a bit harder so i guess 
I personally don't follow this advice all the time. I do get lazy and I just play games and watch movies, but I, I try my best. And everything's about balance. I love it. I also love your narrative around you prefer to produce, right? Because it's all about doing and and through doing your learning, right? So that's uh, amazing. I promised uh, John that this uh, podcast would go for about twenty minutes, and I'm already well and truly <laughs> outside of. So a couple oh, more questions, a little let bit. Me, of, uh, yeah, let me just add one more point to that. I know we're going to go over the time, but that's okay. My wife is a is a pianist, and oh, she. <laughs> it's funny because. A pianist doesn't actually doesn't necessarily enjoy going to concerts. They 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 get antsy. They want to play. They want to get up there and play. And that's kind of the same attitude. Where where going to a concert and watching it, yeah, pretty cool. But what if you could play the music in front of everyone? Then then suddenly suddenly it's a it's a completely different ball game, and it's uh, it's much more engaging as well. I love that. It's a great analogy. Actually, a, a lot of uh, professional athletes say that once they stop actually playing, they don't want to go and watch other people. Play. <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and, and the same can be said in, in corporate life. All right, change of pace. What was uh, actually one more question that maybe is not not such a change of pace? What are some of the mistakes you wished you could have avoided early in your career? Four mistakes. I don't have a list of mistakes in my back pocket, unfortunately. I do regret taking so long to get to where I am. I know that sounds weird. The journey is amazing and stuff, but discovering. My interests, which was you know entrepreneurship and and you know coding, even happened later in my life. And I think a lot of people regret. A lot of people think it's too late for them. Yep. So um, they're in their thirties, forties, and they're like, oh, I want to get into coding. Is it too late for me? I want to I want to play the violin. Is it too late for me? But for me, I um I went through that path. I picked it up quite later. But because of that, my drive was actually a lot stronger. So my mistake if you can call it that, would be discovering what I enjoy and what I'm good at a bit later in my life. Not quite a mistake, but um, it'll do. It's a great learning. It's a, it's a, <laughs> if you're ever going to make a mistake, that's a, it's a mistake that keeps you learning. I love it. That's right. Last two questions. Looking back on your career, John, and sort of reflecting now, what advice would you give to a young John who's just, you know, just graduated from university, he's picked up this gig going to Ghana three, three months, two weeks back, what advice would you give to a young John? Well, other than buy Bitcoin, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, what I said before, basically, don't worry about, you don't know me from 10 years ago, but I was, I was quite awkward. I wasn't very sociable. I wish I could tell him to, to pick up the one thing that changed everything for me. And that's actually completely unrelated to business and leadership. But for me, it was dancing, right? So I did a lot of uh, social dancing, which is swing, swing jazz style, uh, Lindy Hop dancing. And that actually taught me to go up to a stranger, ask them to dance, and then say goodbye after one song, move on to the next one. And I think that that kind of um, putting yourself out there in this uncomfortable, unfamiliar environment that ultimately forces you to connect with people better doesn't necessarily have to be dancing. It could be Toastmasters. It could be public speaking. It could be theatre or improv comedy, all things that I've thought about doing. That's the kind of thing I tell young John to do. Just and then if he says no, I just force him to. I love that. Good on you. You get comfortable being uncomfortable. What a great bit of advice. We have never had that type of. I love that. That's great advice. All right, one last question, and it's a single word question. In closing, John, what word would you use to best describe John Newman? Whoa. Well, can I have some adjectives in front of that? Or some, <laughs> some people give me sentences. Some people give me a word. <laughs> No, determined is probably the word I'd pick. And around the word determined, you have, you know, persistent, systematic, 
this kind of approach to to not worry about what's happening in the future. Just do the thing and uh, do it well. John Ewan, has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the Chiefs from Ghana back to Perth to, to playing the jazz piano to being an amazing uh, member and executive on the Ninja team. You know, we're richer for the conversation with you. Thank you for, for being on the Chiefs. And for anyone who wants to get in touch with John, who's listening to the podcast, you can reach out to him, obviously, through LinkedIn. If not, just let us know and we'll do the introduction for you. No problem at all. John, thanks so much for being on the show and stay well. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me.